You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to Play Tessie. It is episode 10. I am Coop, joined along with Sammy, Pat, Gordo, whose boots on the ground already in Nashville, and the one, the only... Mr. Rob Bradford, he's joining the episode today. Episode 10, like I said, the Trevor Story. Uh, let's, I have a long list. Trevor Story, Lefty Grove, Pinky Woods, Scott Haddenberg. We can't forget him. Coco Crisp, and everyone's favorite, David Price. Um, who's your favorite out of that bunch, Sammy? Uh, Coco Crisp, because I ran into him in an elevator at the doctor's office when I was a little kid one time. So I've always liked Coco because he said hi to me. I always love him for the the over-the-shoulder catch that he made to clinch the AL, ALDS or ALC, ALCS against the against the Tribe, uh, the team formerly known as the Tribe, now the Guardians. But this is Play Tessie. This is a long extended intro. The official podcast of your favorite shade of green, also known as the official Red Sox podcast, WEI Home of the Boston Red Sox. We've got some winter meetings to talk about because as of today, I don't know when's the actual official kick. That's our first question to Rob, who is going to be our liaison to uh, the winter meetings. He's been to a handful of them. He decided this is the winter that he's just kicking his feet up and saying, I can cover this from home because we've got Gordo on the ground for us, like I said. So, Rob, when does the winter meetings officially kick off? Like, is it just people trickling in the entire time? And it's not, I mean, it's, I think it actually kicks off at like 10 o'clock on Sunday night because that's when the bar scene happens where people start congregating to the bar and or, or the uh, the drinking area and you start seeing people and, and people start you know giving I don't know rumors or, 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 or little bits of information. But the official, actually, yeah. So even before that, because you had Jim Leland get in the Hall of Fame. Once you get someone in the Hall of Fame, you're on your way. And, and then obviously Monday hits, and you're really on your way. But uh, so yeah. So uh, I, you you just said, by the way, I I have realized that I can cover this from not being there. I realized that long ago. As, oh, as, as Gordo is about to find out. I realized that a long time ago, but still, a as Dayton Moore told me this past week, and I thought it would just hit perfectly. The winter meetings are a great sense of community for the world of baseball. You get to see a lot of people that you don't normally get to see, and you have some deals along the way. So there you go. You get Nelson Cruz just hanging out in lobbies. I mean, that's what's better than that. There's a, there's a lot of like randos hanging out in the lobby. Well, you it's, you put out something uh, not to cut you off there, but Craig Breslow used to be that rando. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and he literally, when he hung out, I he did nothing. He was it was he was a lonely existence. 
I think he might have gotten a couple meetings uh, along the way in over the course of the three or four days, but he would be in the same spot. You would talk to him. You know, then I remember there was a, well, I was talking to him and then I think the Levinson's like were flying through. So I chased him and he was watching the whole thing laughing and I threw my foot in the revolving door to stop them. And he still mentions that to this day. Like this is, he, he just sat there as a fly in the wall, just looking at the absurdity of everybody running around and standing around. And now he's one of the guys, but there was always some guys like that who like players sort of looking for a job, sort of like, I remember Bobby Kelty. Remember Bobby Kelty? Yeah. Hero. Bobby Kelty, Bobby Kelty was hanging out looking be, to become a pitcher. I think Mike Hart might've been there one year. Wait, um, a pitcher? Wait, what? He wanted to be a yeah, pitcher? Bobby Kelty wanted to become a pitcher. Wow. What? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. So, yeah, there's always some some guys, and um, you know, it's they're told, "Hey, this is where everybody is," and you network, and you do network. But the problem is, the amount of time between networking is crazy. It's it's so much. You, Gordo, you better have your your most comfortable shoes on. That's all I gotta say. So, well, okay, I brought two pairs of shoes, Rob. I've got my New Balance running shoes, which Coop, you're out of the equation. You don't get to tell me which one I'm wearing because you're biased. Hey, as long as my... you're wearing New Balance, I'm happy that you know you're supporting well, a brand of Otani. I'm aware of that, go, but my guys. options. I... Do not wear I'm the nice comfort. Go with comfort. No one's no one's looking at your shoes, Gordo. Okay, no hold on. Speaking of shoes, do you guys? I I took a like a few laps today just to like get a lay of the land. Speaking of <laughs> shoes, <laughs> best shoe game. By far, Greg Amsinger. It's wow. wild. His shoes were blinding white. It was insane. It's too bad you don't get to see him because he's sitting behind that desk. But oh, I couldn't. Was he rocking eyes. like Air Forces or what kind of white shoes? I couldn't tell you. I'm not much of a shoe guy, but big shoes <laughs> and very white. I see? need at least like one report of what type of shoe it actually is before the weekend's over. Or not okay. the weekend. I keep saying weekend. The meetings. If he if he wears those shoes again, even if he doesn't wear those shoes, because I'm sure if he has other pairs, they're going to be just as crazy. I will make sure I get a look at what he's wearing, and I'll report See, this back. Is, this is great because this this is basically now your goal. Your goal, Gordo, is not to have Greg Amsinger's shoes as the in the top ten things that you observed over the winter meetings. If it cracks the top ten, it's been a failure. <laughs> it's all right to have like a jumping off point, but if you mention these shoes at any point over the next three or four days again, then <laughs> then it's over. Then just I, like, what if what if like Friday hits? We finally released that that episode of Gordo's time down in Nashville, and the leading story is how those white shoes led to like the biggest scoop of his life. Then then it's like a whole different yeah. story. Hey, no, so you never know. What, this is what I want you to do. Okay, we've talked a lot. We we had a lunch. We've talked. We we workshopped this whole thing, and a big thing seems to be getting out of your comfort zone. Definitely. Your first task. Your first task will be to go up to Greg and say, "Hey, I do this podcast, play Tessie. Really, really popular. 
and we were talking about your shoes. Could you please help me advance the story and tell me what type of shoes they are and what your shoe size is and why you wear those shoes? Because that's, I think that's the perfect way to get the butterflies out, Gordo, and just get some real information that people care about. I like that. I hope he's wearing them so I don't have to be like the shoes you were wearing yesterday that are on my mind 24 hours later. <laughs> but yeah, no, I will I will go up to Greg Amsinger. Next, if, when I see him, I will go up to him and ask him about his shoes. Okay. I would say... I, I will report back. And then the shoes... It, like the general they might be rule. 10. I mean, they there's could be. I, I think the like it's, there's no such thing as a dumb question that's only a poorly asked question, I would say. Would, is that fair? Okay, Coop, tell me how I could poorly ask him about his shoe size. Go. Well, if you just go up and you're just like, yo, tell me about your shoe size. You, like, you got to find a way to kind of like workshop and like find don't, how. Listen, don't ask about a shoe size out of the gate. That's like <laughs> yeah. the third level of the shoe conversation. Because when you ask about your shoe size, it, it is a different. It yeah, might be, you throw yeah. up red flags. Right. Big time. No, no. First of all, anybody who wears the level of shoes that you're describing is taking great pride in it. So that's going to, you're that's immediately going to put their guard down and say, I am now a friend of play Tessie podcast. That's what it's that you've, you've invited them in the door and now you're on your way. Rob, I love it. I have a question for you. I have to ask, I want to go back a little bit. You said that the meetings really kick off when the drinks start to flow. And I'm not asking for any names or any examples. Just want to tickle the imagination of people who might be listening. You ever heard of a, like a trade or negotiation that happens after a few drinks, a little buzzed? No, no, but, but I remember the Carl Crawford year where it was, so that was Orlando. And Brian Cashman, so usually like, you know, the GM sometimes, aren't they aren't the ones that come down into the lobby to you, you usually circulate. They're up in the suites and they're holed up and whatever. Um, but I remember that year after the Red Sox, they came out, the Red Sox were signing Carl Crawford. Brian Cashman was posted on like right in the middle of the lobby. And to anybody who wanted to come up and talk to him, and he was very happy to say how much the Red Sox overpaid for Carl Crawford. Not like say like flat out here, the Red Sox overpaid for Carl Crawford, but Hey, you know, I'm just going to say like what I'm hearing is that like it was $40 million more than anyone else. And I mean, obviously like, I don't know if he was drinking. I don't think he was, but a lot of other people around there were drinking and, um, and you know, and there were some, the managers, put it this way, the managers usually are the ones who are getting after it, you know, yeah. when it comes to when it comes to the, the late night lobby. Yeah. See, I have this this like fake imagination of one of the GMs, yeah, a random GM. They have a long night out drinking. They have to do their uh, scrambled eggs and chocolate milk in the morning. And then they wake up and realize, oh, my God. I signed Pablo Sandoval or something nah. terrible like that. No, nah, no, nah. <laughs> no. Nah, again, they usually the usually the GMs like stay up in their suite, so it's uh. But the the managers, they, the managers they have, get after it. They have they don't have a lot of responsibilities, 
Yeah, so, what are they gonna do? It's it's more of just finding out who they are going to manage at Let's that just point. say that Terry Francona uh wasn't wearing his shoes one time and, and <laughs> yeah. that was the first name I thought of when you said the managers like to get at it. Contito probably. The oh, legend. that rocks. Uh but it, so we're making this the winter meetings episode for those that haven't caught on yet. Um and we have we have people that listen from all spectrums of baseball, from those that are just into it to that those that just like to check in on the Red Sox. And some might be wondering, hey, what the heck are the winter meetings? What are the genesis of them? Rob, what what is the purpose of the winter meetings? I think we talk about it every year, but we don't act like is it just like to me, it just feels like a lot of GMs that are best friends and they just want to hang out and get their thoughts. No, in the winter. no, but no. what actually I mean, happens at the winter meetings? It's, What's it's the really genesis like, so, of it? So what happens is that the organizations, they get their suites, right? So it's like, it's not this one room, but it's a, usually like a bunch of rooms that are opened up to each other. And they have big tables. And there's a lot of people that now go for every organization talk to anybody they'll say it used to be maybe it was like five to seven people now it's like 30 so they go in their suites and they're they're in there it's a mess it's food everywhere because we know because what happens is that every day the local riders are invited to talk to the gm and so you get a, a an image of the suite i remember one year as actually was the carl crawford year two where they had the whiteboard and they forgot to turn it around of the names of a bunch of these names. And so we walked in and we saw them and they're like scurrying, you know, so they're, so there's that dynamic and, and really it's the agents can go up to the suites. Um, it's not like so much where the, the executives go from one suite to the other. It's more of the agents going up to the suites of the teams to meet with them. And sometimes what a lot of times what the, the organizations will do as well is they'll they'll send people down to the lobby and say, find out what's going on here. Find out what's going on there. And um, so, you know, it's a whole thing. It's a whole like planned out, strategized, but it's not like they're really you don't get a lot of. A lot of a lot of these people, a lot of these organizations and GMs now, they think the winter meetings are sort of worthless because all this stuff can be done on Zoom and phone calls and everything else, especially at the place where Gordo is right now, where you have to walk three miles to get from one suite to the other. So you're making phone calls no matter what. Yeah, usually. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on the wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazons of the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash 
the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Usually. Do you ever see a reality where, because I know that a big part of it now is also the networking aspect and people pushing resumes. Oh, that's a a whole nother thing. So is there a reality where the winter meetings kind of die? Because it seems like with the 21st century and the revolution of the iPhone, uh, like what's the point? I think it's two different things. I think it's it could die. The the aspect you could end it right now and people get deals done easily. But now you have these meetings of this so much. There's the Hall of Fame stuff. There's there's different depart every department for every organization gets together, like the social media group of every team. Now they have their conference. Um game presentation they have their conference and you mentioned the job fair holy crap it's like you i went to the job fair twice in college it was it's like a gordo you're gonna you're about to see it it's a sea of blue suits of these well-meaning young people who wearing their blue suits hanging out with their resumes told to hey go hang out and network and it's so uncomfortable. It's so, oh, I get offered. So the only job I got offered in two years of going to it was director of ticket sales for the Prince William Cannons. And when I found out it paid $1,000 for the entire season, I'm like, thanks. No, that's, I can't do it. So, oh my God. That's what it is. To your that's point, what it is. To your point, it's already started. Like I sat down at a table to like, drop our luggage and like we took turns like taking like most would watch luggage and there's like sit downs with like representatives from teams and prospective like employees like people that want to work for these teams and like i'm i'm here with guys who are doing just that and there's three of them here and all they're talking about is like their communications with all these different teams they're talking with like 10 teams each but it's so hard to find work so they like they feel that they have to come here to set themselves apart from the rest of the field and they set up these meetings while they're here. Like they're here to like take meetings that they've already set up. They're here to create more meetings. Like it's just like a sea of, of craziness. It's, but I, it's think Google, I think it's good like, hang out in Google calendars, favorite time of the year for baseball. Yeah, but, just but, but there's also, so there's two different things. There's that where you're actually connecting with teams on your own. And then there's like this fraudulent job fair where you're signing up, you're paying money to go, and how it used to be was they post the job, like director of ticket sales, and they have a number for the job, and you put your resume in that pile. So, and then you go later to see if you get an interview. And oh. yeah, and so it's, uh, but you know, the pile is, you know, it, unless you have a connection, it's 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 tough. So, anyways. gotta love nepotism. Ah, nepotism is the greatest at winter meeting. Are you kidding me? Let's go. (laughs) So, Rob, I had a quick question about, like, the atmosphere of winter meetings. So, like, in recent memory, like, obviously, like, Stanton went to the Yankees. Dansby Swanson was taken on number one overall, went from the Diamondbacks to the Braves. If you're in the lobby or just in the building, when something of, like, that magnitude happens – is it like palpable around the place? Like, can you tell that something's up when something that big is going down? Or is it like yeah, you open up Twitter and see something? Yeah, well, it's it's usually now it's Twitter, right? And we're, it has been for a while. You see something happen. 
But then you start scurrying around to see if there's anybody who's relevant to talk to. And, you know, I, I gave the Brian Cashman example is that, all right, you know, hey, what, what's going on with this? Have you heard anything with this? Um, and, you know, sometimes it's funny because the the upper level agents, like the agents with the most important guys, it's not like they're hanging out too, too much. Like the GM meetings, they're hanging out. The winter meetings, they're going from one place to the other, to the other, to the other. So, but to answer your question, Pat, when, when something happens, I think it's literally everyone, especially if it affects like what you're doing, you have to just scurry around and find anyone who might be relevant or you have to get to the work. I don't know, Gordo, if you've been to the workroom yet. No, I saw the door, but they they were shut. You didn't like, want to were, go in? You didn't feel like you were worthy of going in? Well, they started handing out the credentials at two and we checked into or we left to check in a little bit after that. And uh, so, yeah, the, the doors never opened. I didn't know if like the room was even open. So I just kind of set up shop at a cafe. But I, guess, I, I will explore it tomorrow. I'm going. No, in you have to don't explore it. You have to go in and piss on your territory, not literally. <laughs> but you have we'll to go, go there, and I will piss on say, the chair. Hey, this is this is my seat. I am gonna be here. Don't take my seat. I'm setting up my stuff. If something happens, I'm running back to this seat. So there you go. I'm give me my free water. So Ooh, free water. Free water. <laughs> have you have you seen Breslow there yet? I have not seen Breslow. Uh, the only GM that I did see, I saw Dave Dombrowski walking around a little bit into the hallway. He might have been going right towards the suite. Uh, outside of that, the biggest names I've seen are like all the all the media people, like the like the national guys. Like John John Heyman was, he's the king of the lobby. The dude, the dude, like everywhere you look, John Heyman is right there. I don't know how it's possible. But so I like turn my left, want- he's there. I turn back behind me. He's 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 talking to someone else. Like the dude is he is a they're in that lobby. The the so the best thing to do is obviously like the GMs go on MLB network. That's the one thing you know they're gonna go on. All of them almost all go find time to go on. So mm-hmm. that's when they have to walk down to where the MLB network st- stage is and they have to walk back. And same thing with the managers. The managers, you know, they have their 20-minute increments. They have to walk there. They have to walk back. And that's where, like, people are intercepting these people a lot of times. Because, like I said, most GMs, they aren't – they don't see daylight. I mean, nobody sees daylight because it's like the Truman Show in there. But it's – but they don't they don't go outside. It's, it's an awful existence of living in those suites, but that's what they do. You make this sound so unappealing. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Bob well, fan, I mean, yeah. vampire lifestyle. My God, it is. I mean, <laughs> to kinda, be fair, I mean, you miss it. <laughs> do I miss it? No, I'm kidding. Oh. Sounds like you don't miss it at all. No, no. I, I like. I, I'll come back to it. The best part about it is the sense of community that you have, and you know, for instance, like what Gordo's going to be able to do if something happens with the Red Sox. There's going to be a lot of people who normally you would have to maybe, you know, take two weeks to, to set up something with, they're going to be right there. Like everybody's right there. So that's the good part about it. All right. The bad part about it. 
Um, we've been talking about all these big name free agents. And as we just said, most of what everything can happen can be done over Zoom, over the computer, over your iPhone, over your Samsung, whatever you may be using, a Google phone if you're a weirdo. Um, but is there any big news that will actually be coming out of this whole meeting or series of meetings? Because it feels like Shohei Otani, he's an international agent who can do most of his meetings and probably already has done most of his big meetings, introductory type meetings with teams that are likely to sign him. You have Jordan Montgomery, who I'm assuming the Red Sox have also already met with because we had the report that Craig Breslow has already made most of the preliminary meetings with the big name free agents that the Red Sox would be interested in. The Red Sox aren't alone in that. They're they're no different than any other big market team, if you want to call them a big market team. And if you don't want to call them a big market team, they're likely trying to emulate that. So is there any news to be expected? Are teams going to use this as an opportunity to announce something big? Are the Red Sox actually going to get anything done throughout these series of meetings? I, 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 I'm of the presence of mind now. I'm kind of the optimist, the Eeyore. We put out a poll where it was asking fans, you know, whether they feel strongly pessimistic or the actual wording was confidence. So if you're not confident, somewhat not confident, confident or somewhat confident. And I'm kind of in the camp of somewhat not confident just because of the way things have been going, the way things have been shaking up more Montgomery likely being the top agent that they do sign if they do sign a big name free agent. So it, should we expect anything? Where are you at right now with what the Red Sox are doing? I, well, I mean, I think that here's what I think is going to happen is that you mentioned Otani. So I think Otani took his meetings this weekend out at CAA in LA, just like he did six years ago. And how he did it that six years ago was do our increments with the teams that he designated as the teams that he was going to do it with. I don't know if it was exactly the same, but I have a pretty good idea that teams went out there. They met with him. They did that thing at the C at CAA in LA. And now like, because they know also they have to get back to Nashville. So I think that, those were the meetings. He makes a decision. I do believe that that decision is going to come sooner than later. I think Yamamoto is going to come after this week, probably, uh, probably into next week. Um, but that frees up a lot of stuff, right? So, um, I mean, you go back to last year's guys, the winter meetings last year. It wasn't like nothing didn't happen. Didn't happen. Aaron Judge happened. Xander uh, was the only. Bogarts, well, Correa, Correa, um, Trey Turner, Swanson, and Swanson was a little bit later. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ken, but you know, for Kenley, that same day, Bogarts happened that last day. Yoshida, Kenley, Yoshida. Um, but again, Judge was the big thing, right? Remember, it was going to be San Francisco, and then it wasn't Arson. Arson, Arson, Arson Judge. Judge. Greatest tweet ever. Yeah. So, you know, stuff happened, but uh, but I I do think that definitely before they leave, I think Otani is going to get done. And once Otani gets done, that'll free some other stuff up. Just while we have you, any any lean to where you think he's going? I still think I think he's going to go to the Dodgers. Yes. Okay. I'm not I'm not budget off that. 
Well, I mean, I listen, it's a complete guess, but I know how much the Dodgers have wanted him. And but at the same time, I heard that the Cubs were one of the finalists the last time around. The club and they're obvious, so that says something to me. The Blue Jays, I don't know. The Angels, I, I can't imagine. It really I, is I, just like a mystery. Well, that would be a well, it be, well, because everyone's you know why it's a mystery, Coop, is because everyone's so paranoid. Everyone's yeah. so super paranoid that if you have an inkling of information trickle out, he's gonna hold it against you. Are but, you getting that? Is are you getting that from the Sox right now where Breslow is just straight up like I I I'm feeling like NSA, CIA. I don't want anything out. I just want to know what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I think that that's certainly they're not they're erring on the side of being tight lipped more than maybe more than man. I don't know. Dabrowski had um, Dabrowski had was pretty fair in terms of he was just honest himself. Like he would just be basically say what they were going to do. Like, you know, Heim, that regime, it was like there was, you know, there was some information coming out. This one with Breslow, there's nothing. And I think it's semi-smart because what you're not getting is you're not getting the interest stuff. You're not getting a whole lot of like, oh, yeah, you know, where we were interested in there or we're interested in here. That's So you're not getting because they know what the narrative was with them. You keep doing that and you keep losing out, it's going to come back. So I think they're the so far early returns are like they're running a pretty tight ship in terms of information out over there. So, you know, and you know, I don't, I don't, my thing with that is that I don't begrudge any front office for doing it as long as you're fair, you know, as long as you're fair. I mean, I, I would say like Breslow, like painting the picture of we want two starting pitchers, possibly a third. And but everybody then, of knows that tackle a rat, righty bat like that's it's laying out what they want to go out and that's get he, without yeah. giving too much away. No, I, I mean it's everybody knows that there, there, but there isn't like oh this is uh, like all this all this stuff about oh the Red Sox are in heavy here. I get any of that would come from an agent, and they can't control what the agents do. But a lot of times the agents are saying this for leverage. That's what they're doing. So it's um, yeah. I mean it's 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 just it's just different. I mean we, I think that everybody and I think that Breslow is getting a grace period and rightfully so. That if this was going on with Heim, everyone would be freaking out. Everybody, like, what do they do? Why aren't they doing something? What's going on? And now we're sitting there with basically no information. I mean, zero information. And we're like, well, let's just wait. Let's see what happens. Let's just wait. See what happens. Which, like, it's the ultimate leap of faith, guys, isn't it? Because there has been. It's scary. We, yeah, we don't know. We don't know how. Like, we knew how Heim's operation operated. We don't know how aggressive Breslow is. We don't. Maybe he's not equally as non-aggressive as I was in some cases. We don't know, but I mean, we have this like wait. You said you just said it, Coop. It's it's sort of really it, it's kind of uncomfortable. But I don't. You guys think that that everybody's giving them to this point the ultimate benefit of the doubt because it 
because you're you at least trying something new. Well, it's also it's coming from the fact that you've finished last place two years in a row, and it's what else are you going to do? Everyone else is saying we're a ch- like championship contending team, so you have to go up from here. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Yeah. So, Rob, la- last question. I know you have to go. Yeah. Um, so, you- yes, there is definitely a grace period from fans here, but I think a lot of people are sort of reading reports coming from different areas. Like, they're supposedly not in on cease. They're supposedly not in on on rentals. Uh, Blake Snell supposedly wants to pitch on the West Coast. Is there any part of you that's worried or as like as a like that or thinks that fans should be worried that things are just not going to fall in favor for the Red Sox here? Or do you think that this is just the Red Sox tight lip? I mean, like we had all those reports about Yamamoto today and it's all the Giants, the New York teams, the Dodgers, and like nothing with the Red Sox. Do you think there's, there's anything to be worried about? Or do you think that's more just them being tight lipped and their heads are still in the right place? No, I, I somewhere in between. It's the exact same thing I said with that, which is, we just have zero idea because if you took it right now as, as all, like all these reports, all the things that you said, Gordo, and you're like, and, and it was how they had operated for the last few years. You're like, they aren't going to win any of these battles. If you went through, if you went through what we're going through now in the previous regime, you would be worried because of the history, the track record, but because of it's new and because also i think the feather in the cap is that you know one of the reasons they moved on from heim was because they knew that they had to be more aggressive so you're waiting you're saying they're going to be they have to be closer to what they were with dombrowski than what they were before so with one of these guys you are going to have to basically go shock and awe and and outbid people for it and go above what you actually are comfortable with. Like, that's how I think people believe that there's a possibility of that happening. But at the same time, we just don't know. We don't know. We we have no idea. It could land where Breslow says the same thing. We had our, we measured the, their, their worth at this, and we weren't willing to go to that level. Well, I'll say it for the millionth time. If you're going to get into free agency, you better be willing to get uncomfortable. And if you're the Boston Red Sox at this point of their existence, you better be ready to get uh, uncomfortable for the guys that you really, really want. So I didn't answer your question. I I don't know. But all we can do is follow the breadcrumbs. And I, I would say this. If they land at the end of it and don't, whether it's a trade, or whether it's free agency, and they don't get some of these guys, these foundational guys, because they said they weren't worth it, that would be disappointing. Because I think this isn't only about filling in the gaps and of a winning team, but it's also about getting a fan base excited once again. And I, I and 
And in order to do that, they're just they everybody knows that they're gonna have to get a whole lot more uncomfortable than they have been. So there you go. I love that. I need that. And like that's I think that's why everyone's probably optimistic about the Red Sox is that everyone kind of realizes that that's what the team has to do. Uh, but we've got we've got four-ish to five days of hoping and waiting. Rob, thank you for joining us. Thank you for spending a little bit Thanks, of time Rob. with us on a Sunday night and giving the the great people of Red Sox Nation oh, a, a, a lovely Monday to I, set them up. I, I am happy to be. I am. I I am happy to be. It's great. You get the best of both world worlds. Someone who've been to like fifteen of these things and someone who's actually there right now. So we need like a a, a sit down between the two of you guys after like armchair sit down nah, in front of a crowd. If you want to listen, if the you, young I, buck versus the vet. If you, I, I am. Well, I'll be texting Gordo anyway. I am fat. I am. It, it fascinates me. Fascinates me. Like your Gordo, like what your perspective of this going to be? Other than so far, all we have is somebody a TV host with white shoes. So yeah, <laughs> but, this is yeah. going to be fun. It's good. It's going to be fun. People need. It is good. Uh, but Rob, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, the godfather Rob. of Boston Red Sox podcasting, the host of baseball. Oh, yeah. Boring. The absolute goat. Bye bye. Rob Bradford. <laughs> All right. Shout out again to Rob Bradford. Always the goat. Always will be the goat uh, for giving us a little guide, giving you listeners a little guide of what the winter meetings are. Hopefully if you kind of just always known that they existed, but not really known what they are, you kind of have a better idea now. And hopefully what the Red Sox end up doing coming out of this weekend, you have a little bit of an idea as we just said, like the Red Sox have to do something to really make the statement of this is a brand new era. And I, as we kind of roll out of that conversation with Rob, I want to ask you guys, I mean, what, what stood out most to you guys as far as what to expect from these winter meetings? I think the biggest takeaway was Rob not really shutting down the possibility of of Craig like liking to operate in the shadows, meaning that maybe the lack of rumors isn't a lack of interest in a way. I think the biggest thing he was saying was like they seem to be running a t- pretty tight ship over there. So maybe just because the Sox aren't in rumors, they'll be like Brad Stevens and the Celtics. Like they'll just kind of jump in and all of a sudden they're like the front runner for a player. I think that was reaffirming because the last two to three days, the end of last week and so far this weekend, we've had updates on Otani, Yamamoto, Snell, Montgomery, Cease, Burns. Every single one of those players, Red Sox have not been mentioned when they were at the beginning of the offseason. So personally, my biggest fear was that it was a lack of interest, which I'm sure for some guys it it genuinely might be because the report today came out. They're not going to trade. Um, they're not going to empty the cabinet of prospects for rental guys. So some of those guys, they probably generally don't have interest in. But the others, I think they're very much still in play on or could be. It's just they're keeping tight lips. Like they don't want anything getting out, which I appreciate. Because then we run into the disaster that was the interest kings. Yeah. No, Pat, you're 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 dead on there. It's It's hard not to get frustrated when you see like a team like the Mets where their owner was saying at the trade deadline that that they're going to take a step back in 2024 and like reassess for 2025 and 2026 and now all of a sudden like they're in on Yamamoto, they're in on Montgomery, they're in on maybe Erod stuff like that. It's hard 
when you don't see the big name reporters talking about your team and those guys and you see teams that are supposedly not even necessarily going for it in 2024 and they are in but you know when you say your takeaway was rob not ruling out that they're running a pretty tight ship i don't even think he just didn't rule it out i think he's he just came out and said he's like we're not getting anything from these guys right now and uh i listened to chad jennings on uh to the show we go with um with our with our fellas andrew parker chris henrick uh ed hand uh, give the, give that episode a listen after you finish this one because it was good. And he basically echoed the same thing. He was saying, I'm just not getting much out of them. Like, I'll talk to people and they'll say, I get why you need to ask that. I just can't say anything. Like, so I do think the Sox are being tight-lipped. I It's hard not to be discouraged when you see a report that, like, the Yankees and the Mets and the Dodgers, now all of a sudden maybe the Giants are going to bid the most for Yamamoto. And it's like, where are the Sox? But... If you read the tea leaves, you know, it's good perspective to listen to what Rob said. They fired Haim for a reason. They wanted, like, the the reason you would do that is that you didn't like his lack of aggressiveness because with what he did with the farm, he was doing a great job. Like, if you just, per, like, strictly look at it from a farm perspective, how, how did the system as a whole grow under his watch? He did great. But they didn't like his lack of aggressiveness. They didn't like his lack of aggressiveness at the trade deadlines. That's the reason. So you would think that the new guy is going to do something to not be the guy that Heim was. And that that thing would be to be aggressive. But they're being pretty tight-lipped. It's it's hard to tell what's going on. But if you read the tea leaves, they they want to tr- it seems like they want to trade and they want to get a guy that's under control. And the guys that have been in the rumors to this point on the trade market are all rentals except for Dylan Cease, who I still... I'm shocked they they are reportedly, uh, according to Sean McAdam, have not been in on. Uh, but there's other guys. Like, we heard about plenty of other guys at the deadline last year that we haven't heard about this offseason. And just because we haven't heard about those guys now, it doesn't mean that they're not being talked about. It just it means that nothing has come out yet. And maybe the, the shoe has to fall with some of these rentals getting moved, some of these free agents getting signed, for those trades to materialize. Um. It's just a wait and see. It's a wait and see. And I hope it happens at the winter meetings because, you know, selfishly I'm here and I want to be there when it happens. Break some news. I want you to break some news. That'd be so cool if you like accidentally heard something and you floated on the internet and then everyone goes, oh, this Boston sports Gordo guy had it first. How did he know? And you were planted there the entire time. I go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. You go ahead. So I I wanted to give the, the macro perspective thing I've been thinking about. And it's so broad that I feel like I've kind of in my own head glossed over it. I think we can all agree this is the most important offseason in a long time. Like we discussed earlier, two last place finishes, unacceptable three in the last four years. This has to be at least a little bit intimidating for Breslow, a first time GM. You're in a huge market a very aggressive market too. Let's be real. This is Boston. You you guys are a little bit worried about that. And I'm, and I'm not talking about the, the no leaks, no rumors. It's just simply the concept of this guy is brand new. Yes. It's all yes. on him. I, I, and I don't know why now, only now I'm talking about this and thinking about it, but the more I sit and these lack of rumors just fester in my brain, I'm like, God, this is nerve wracking. We got a new guy running the ship. I don't know. What do you guys think? 
Well, that's why, like, I put out that the question earlier on Twitter from the play twet play twessy play uh, play Tessie account. Oh, go follow on Twitter for that sad uh delivery there. But I like I think I'm confidently in the I'm not I'm somewhat not confident because we've been going at and like we said with Robin, just like we've been hitting like the points just now where it is an important off season and. Back-to-back last place finishes. Sam Kennedy coming out and saying, what we do here is we compete for championships. And talk is cheap at the end of the day. And you're dealing with a brand new executive after you just fired an executive because your biggest fear was that that guy couldn't spend. So now you bring in a guy that has no track record of spending. So it's just kind of like, yeah, we want to believe that we are a championship-run organization, but all signs are pointing to the fact that we are still very much watching a rebuild right now with the Red Sox. It, it, it's tough to say that the Red Sox are going to come out. And Lou Merloni made a great point on his dog walk Saturday saying that anyone who thinks that the Red Sox are preordained to take every free agent that exists is just quite simply wrong. It, this isn't going to be the Yankees with multiple to handfuls of people with $20 million a year contracts. It, it, as much as we want to do that, A, it's not the smart thing to do, and B, the Red Sox are never probably going to do that unless inflation really hits the market. So right now, your best bet is a stud starting pitcher, a complimentary starting pitcher, and maybe a right-handed bat. You have to resign yourself to that until Greg Prez... Uh, Greg Preslow. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I am all over the place. Today. Until Greg Preslow. There we go. Until he actually goes out and spends big money in a meaningful way, you don't have much to stand on. And, and like, I, that's why we've been saying since the jump, cautiously optimistic. And I'm kind of dropping the optimistic at this point. I'm just saying I'm cautious. I, I, I don't want to bite off more than I can chew with believing in what this team can do. I hope they're a playoff team. They should be a playoff team. But World Series contending team like Sam Kennedy likes to tout, I don't know about that. Along the lines of what Lou said, I put out the question the other day, what if the Red Sox rotation, the top three, was Yamamoto, slam dunk, Brian Bayo, and Seth Lugo? And I would say more than, about half the responses were people like, I think they got to do better than Seth Lugo. And I'm thinking, there's so many people who are going to be disappointed. There's a lot of teams who need pitching. Look at the Cardinals. They need three. They've already gotten their three, but they needed three of them. So it's not just the Red Sox. And I'm not saying lower your expectations, but like, don't be shocked when it's maybe like Montgomery and then a filler. Listen, Napoleon did a great job taking the Rhineland, but the French people weren't clamoring like, hey, you have to go for Russia. That was him being like, I'm going to go out and get this. You shouldn't have gotten it, dude. You shouldn't have gone for Russia. You should have been happy with the Rhineland. Look at what happens. Just be happy with what you have. Shout out to the like nine people who will get that. that oh, if you went and saw Napoleon, shout out Walking Phoenix. You'll understand. Was it good? Oh, it was good. It's three hours. You know, take your pee before you go, but it's it's quality. Three hours is such a schlep. It's like uh, what's the the Wolf of Wall Street? Everyone's like that movie's amazing. Dude, Wolf of Wall I Street overrated. Age. I yes, agreed. But I also aged like two years during that. It's movie. the Kardashians for frat boys. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Kardashians. It's not It's not a reality, though. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I lo- I no, the Kardashians aren't reality either. Let's, uh, come on. 
Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Uh, but I mean, it, yeah. as far as Gordo, I know you're typically the guy that rides high on what the Red Sox are capable of doing. We need that. I, I need that sense of optimism in my life. But where are you as we head into this? Not physically. Uh, well, we know you're in Nashville. <laughs> I am in Nashville. My my answer to that, I guess, depends on how you're phrasing the question. Because if you're asking me if I'm confident that things are going to get done here at the winter meetings in the next few days. I would say I would say I'm in your boat, Coop. Like I'm what what what's the what's the third worst one? Is it like cautious pessimism? Somewhat not uh, somewhat uh, not confident. Yeah. Somewhat not confident. Because the more the more I read into it, the more the more reports I read, it just seems like multiple guys have to go off the board before the guys that the Sox could be in on and maybe are in a position to strike on are going to go off the market. This is why we need aggressive because you hear all these reports. Yes. This won't, a won't happen until B happens. And then every year it happens, something goes on and we go, Oh my God, I can't believe that's what we need. We need someone to go screw this. I don't care that it's this player is not supposed to sign until after Yamamoto or after Otani, like go aggressive. We haven't had that in so long. And I just, don't get me wrong. Breslow's done nothing to indicate that he can or can't be aggressive. It's just simply the concept of a rookie GM having the, the just go out there and cool. do it. It's so scary as a fan. It, I'm preparing I, the quote card that Sammy is saying that Craig Breslow should be fired. Craig, <laughs> don't even say that. I'm already getting comments from people on twitter like wow we got heimblum 2.0 <laughs> how oh, long we we had one on the comments of that tweet for the poll oh, uh, which no it, free ads for this person <laughs> let's Who? be honest though i mean craig craig is supposed to be heim 2.0 i mean the the whole point behind a 2.0 is that you're the improvement of something heimblum sure. did a great job building the farm system did a great job evaluating talent could not bring in big guys when he needed to Kind Breslow like- is supposed to be that guy. He's supposed to continue what Hein Bloom was doing, continue to have something sustainable. What's what Gordo? A more aggressive version much, of Heim. Yeah, yeah. I agree with Gordo. But, you know what? Thinks though is we can't do since Heim was uh, previously the GM or whatever you whatever his friggin' title is. You President know, of baseball operations. Sure. Chief baseball officer. Sure. Can we have that a works. chief baseball czar. Yeah. The hell's a czar? Yeah. Craig Bre- Craig Breslow's a czar. Anyway. We don't have the, uh, oh, he's smart. He went to uh, Yale. He's an analytics guy. He, he knows what he's doing. We just had that, and it didn't work. So I, I'm running out of copium to cope with the lack of action and all the thoughts in my head about rookie GM. Nothing's gone on. Noel is off the market. Gray's off the market. Not that we really wanted Gray, but still, things are Sammy, happening slowly but surely. I'll give you a copium if you want it. Please. because I need Because I know, I know we want them to be aggressive and like trust me like if they want to be aggressive and 
overpay and i'm i want i'm talking about in terms of trading for a controllable starter here like if they want to overpay and get super aggressive and do it they probably could but i think the teams that have those controllable starters probably want to wait until guys like burns if he's going to get moved get moved guys like bieber who if he's going to get moved get moved guys like glasno who's going to get moved get moved and then because they have more time to deal with it like if they want to trade these guys at the deadline they can get probably the same amount of value as they can get right now so there's no reason to rush into it from the the te- the other team's end so i guess coop to to go back i said i have cautious i have what is it somewhat not confident that they're going to get something big done here at the winter meetings but i still i i go back to the thing that Heyman said where he's where john Heyman on his stream said like the red Sox know they need to do something big and they're gonna do something big that's what i keep hearing i want to go back to like the reasoning that rob gave that they know they're gonna have to do something aggressive that's why they fired heim i think it's gonna happen i just i'm starting to think that just based off of the reporting we're reading that it's going to be in the form of a trade for a controllable starter, which I feel like is the type of move that maybe they set the stage for that deal here and it gets done down the road just because the other team sits on their hands or whatever and wants to wait it out. So cautious optimism for the longer term of the offseason, cautious cautious pessimism for the winter meetings. I I hope I'm wrong because I want to see something go down, but I'm I'm a little bit in the middle of of both. I'm certainly not on far on one end of the spectrum. Gordo, you are not alone either because on the, I want to shout out some of the people in the replies on this. So Anthony in Rhode Island, being confident or definitely confident they need to do something big. That's obviously a good good analysis there from uh, Anthony. Tua Tagala Dolphins, shout out to the Tua Non. Minor moves, maybe big moves, unlikely. Seems everyone is waiting for Yamamoto sweepstakes, sweepstakes winner, agents and players included which I think he is absolutely spot on. And then the Manny Ramirez burner, uh, obviously moves will be made good moves that also make fans happy. Well, that's the real question. I don't agree. I can't agree any more on that Manny Ramirez burner, which I really hope it is Manny Ramirez burner because we're going to bring it on to the Nuff said, uh, well, actually do we have before we move on to Nuff said any final thoughts? Just, just one final thought. And I don't want to be negative. I try to be positive. I feel like people, I feel like I get a better response when I'm positive and I like being positive, but I like you when you're positive. If the red, thank you. If the Red Sox do miss out on Yamamoto, which statistically is the most likely outcome because there are a ton of teams in on him. What could possibly be the excuse? And here's what I'm thinking. There's no way that money is a legitimate excuse unless this guy gets 280 million, something crazy, crazy over market value because they should be willing to spend whatever it takes to get a guy like this. And I don't think I've ever said that about any free agent ever. They should be willing to do whatever it takes in terms of money to get this guy. If he chooses somewhere else because he likes the location, fine. But other than that, I cannot, what could possibly be the excuse? I think... I can't remember who it was today, but someone was saying that it was one of the team or reporters that said the Mets were Mets and Dodgers were like the top two with teams on the fray, whatever. Supposedly he likes the bright lights, big city and fashion, I guess. If the money is comparable and he goes to an LA or a New York and you were matching or going slightly over five, 10, whatever, 
and he still chooses that, fine. You can yeah, do nothing fine. about his geographical or social status. You can do nothing about that. But if there's a report that comes out that he goes to say the Mets for eight for two forty and the Red Sox topped out at six for one eighty, yeah, that's like, a really no, bad look. That's, that's a horrible look. You can't do that. Terrible. That's terrible. That's like yeah. that's like Schwarber. That's the Schwarber. That's the Schwarber story when he signed for whatever eighty million and the Sox offered like thirty six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they no, offered, like, just not have that the entire market. I think it, it, Xander Bogarts. I think in the moment everyone was kind of like, "Oh, you misread the market." Though everyone kind of understood that it, that many years is out of the question. But they kind of had the market right on the AAVs. It was just not being able to reach him on the years. I think the only legitimate. And it's not an excuse. I think this is, there are other podcasts with other Twitter personalities out there that I think legitimately think this way. And it's the fact that you've had back-to-back last place finishes in your division is what can hurt you. It's, I think you can do everything you can. And if it boils down to where they're matching on money and it's Yamamoto making the decision, it's the fact that you trusted a GM for too long for not doing too much at the deadline and not trying to make any noise in the playoffs because listen Yamamoto has Otani to look at as his example of he went to the Angels he got the money right away he got the notoriety in Los Angeles I mean it's the Angels but you're still in LA he had everything he could hope for he had Mike Trout but it wasn't a contender and it wasn't a team that had a history of contending either so he might look at this as listen the Dodgers are willing to pay me the exact the exact same amount as the Dodgers or as the Red Sox. However, the Dodgers have the track record of making the playoffs. If Houston comes out, even though they haven't been a name in the mix and they offer the same amount of money, Houston has the ability to say like, Hey, look at what we've done in the past. We've won two world series in the last X amount of years. The Red Sox won a world series four years in the last century, but look what happens to them. Yamamoto, they ebb and they flow. Like that is the easiest thing for any team to turn to and point to the Red Sox and just say, hey, they're great. They win World Series. They'll pay you. But you're going to be miserable for four years out of five years on like the numbers-wise. Like If you look at that, that is how the trend goes. So that is how I think they lose him. It's fair. It's fair. This is why I'm nervous. It's not the lack of activity. It's just the voices. That, it's, I think it's all out of the Red Sox hands. Like that's It's terrifying. I will be extremely upset if a report comes out that the Red Sox were like, wow, we topped out at 170 million. That'll be oh, extremely No, that's the end. Yeah. That's the end. I will I feel think that's old regime. Hopefully. About... Yeah, no, no. It's definitely ownership. We, we, it, it wouldn't be a Breslow thing. If they don't sign Yamamoto and it's because of money, nobody should be blaming Breslow. I think this guy cares. He doesn't care. He wants this Agreed. our kid. If, if they don't, if this is how it happens and they don't sign him, we hear it's because they only offered... X amount, that's ownership. And you have every single right in the world to be furious at them if that happens. But let's hope it never comes to that ever again for the fourth time. And ugh, well, we're getting all worked we up. To, we don't need to talk about it. Uh, but on that note, let's move on to enough said. Let's wrap this up for the folks. Let's let them start to digest all those tweets that are probably coming out right now as they're listening to this show on Monday. Enough said. Anybody got anything fun? What are we talking about? Yeah, so a new uh, a new trade target name was floated today. Uh, entered into the mix, I believe it was a uh, Morosi. 
might not have been those, the yeah. there are a lot of people talking um isak paredes interesting guy Tampa Bay Rays. uh and i just want to talk about his fits in the red sox i don't have a who says no or a trade package lined up but go down his profile and see what you guys think so um 2023 season he was 24 years old 31 home runs 840 ops 131 ops plus so a very good season plays both infield corners and second base he's a slightly above average and everybody's you know not a game-breaking defender in any way uh, he's under contract and arb eligible to seven that's his age 28 season and that's the good stuff here's the bad some pretty significant red flags especially last year uh, his slugging percentage was a hundred and twenty four points higher than his expected slugging percentage that's the second highest mark in major league baseball so a huge gap there Batting average is 24 points higher than expected batting average. Another just more more red flags there. Uh, recorded a hard hit just 28.3% of the time. That's not very good. That's the sixth percentile in Major League Baseball. And lastly, his uh, chase rate almost doubled from 2022 to 2023. So on top of that, Tampa Bay would be selling high on him due to the 2023 season, the numbers I mentioned initially, the 31 home runs, the OPS, the OPS plus. All three of those are good numbers. So they'd be selling high, plus he has three years of control. So do I like the fit? Yes, he can play second base. Would I want Isak Paredes on the Red Sox? Of course, good ball player. Would I want them to trade for him now? Uh, you're, you're buying very high on a guy with not much of a track record. So that's where I'm at. Wanted to hear from you guys as well. I, I think my take on that would be you're buying high and you're buying even higher because you're buying from a division rival and he's, he's got tons of control. He had his biggest season. Like he fits positionally and like by God, if they got him, I think we should all be excited about it. But just I, I think it would probably cost too much and I don't think they want to deal him here and I think they're going to get a ton of interest. So I think, yeah, probably I, not going to happen. I, I do think they'd be willing to uh, deal him here. I think it was the the Blue Jays, one of the rumored teams that was looking at him. It was an, there was an AL East team in the mix. So it I was them, yeah. But you're totally right. They could, you know, jack up the price, be like, well, you're in our division, so. Right. Yeah, I think I like the idea of an Isak Paredes type. I don't like the idea of Isak Paredes. 24, I believe. I think he's 24. He has four years control in the division trade. Like, that's going to be a pretty three years control pretty substantial like package going back to tampa it's always risky trading in the division i mean we saw it with santiago espinal but like i think just based on price alone and the risk of him buying so high that this is his peak at 24 and he kind of averages out i don't love it but i like the idea of a paredes type like a right-handed power hitting bat who can play second play some dh whatever This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So. 
I'm kind of, I gave you like a yes and a no, I guess. No, I think that's totally appropriate for this situation. Like, do we like the fit? Yes. Do we like the player? Yes. Do we like what it would take to get him? Mm, yeah. A little too risky for my taste. If it were a free agent and it were just, if it were just money, shout out to episode one. Different story, but you it's know. It's only money. It's only money, baby. Yeah, no, I just think it's going to be a, a pricey, pricey acquisition. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm out on like, for the exact same reasons. It, it just, cool. it has a lot of, it's, I feel like it's everything that we talk about where it's, the risk is very minimal and the reward is also very minimal. So it's just it, it, like the risk reward just isn't really completely there for me when there are plenty of people, there are guys that you can, I think, supplement into that spot right now on the cheap where you're not having to sacrifice too much of what you already have. So I'm, I'm out on it for that reason. Yeah. And for the short term, at least, how much better is he going to be than It's a fun thought. I, I Listen, he would look great in some marathon blue and yellow. I can tell you that much. Or, or an actual Red Sox jersey, too. <laughs> <laughs> When I when I see like like Tyler Glass now, who is rumored to be on the market, he's good looking. Get out. He's good. No, but like when you put him in a candy ass uniform like the Rays typically do, <laughs> it kind of works. Like you can envision the marathon jerseys. I guess, man. But no, I'm out on Glass now. He would raise the bar too high for us gentlemen. He's like six six, super handsome. Get out of here, man. You're Can't have that in Boston. Yeah, I need yeah. some John Adams looking MFers up in here. Yeah, dude, I want a bunch of rich Garces's on the pitching staff. Make yeah. me good, not bad. Thank you. I need some fat boys. Yeah. Just some guys. We want the... Patty likes them thick. We want the yeah. least looking... We want some Harry Kanye's up there. <laughs> what? <laughs> that would be great. Get a bunch of Eric... Actually, that was a disaster here in Boston, but he did get a ring. He anyway. great in backyard baseball. I'll say that So, much. So, all right, let me put a bow on this. We all would like to have Isak Paredes, but we all do not want to trade for Isak Paredes. I think that's yeah. a good way to put it. That's yeah. appropriate. All right. Okay, cool. Well, that was quick. Good rest, enough, in enough said. rest in peace to that idea. Um, I don't have much much of enough said. Uh, winter meetings are fun. It made me do a little bit of a dive into the history of Red Sox uh, winter meeting acquisitions. A uh, big one that you guys might remember, 23 years ago, Manny Ramirez signed the first $20 million a year contract for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the second one, I believe, in MLB history because the first one was set, I don't know if it was minutes or hours right beforehand with Alex Rodriguez signing with the New York Yankees or Rangers at that point. Rangers? Rangers. Rangers. New York Rangers. Because um, oh, you went to the Rangers went from Rangers to possibly the Red Sox. They're not going to the Red Sox. They're then going to the yeah. Yankees. Uh, but Manny Ramirez, 23 years ago, becomes a Boston Red Sox. I wanted to bring this up because it was the smoothest swing, continues to be the smoothest right-handed swing ever any Red Sox be. And the Red Sox are in desperate need of a right-handed bat. So I'm hoping Craig Breslow, he goes to the well. He says, 23 years ago, I gave these or he didn't give these people, but someone gave the great people of Boston a right-handed bat. I'm going to do the exact same. Uh, so that's what I'm hoping and wishing for this week. Sounds like you would like Luis Robert, the guy I mention every single week on this podcast. <laughs> Quite Sorry, himself. who? Lu- 
I Lou only Bob. know Lou Bob. Lou Bob, he's a tremendous ball player. Coop, he's great. He's going to be on the Red Sox. You're going to love it. There's he's, no, he's the best no, swing. There's no swing there's like no. it. He's going to cost like Anthony Meyer, Teal, my arm, your arm. It's too much. But yeah, I agree, Coop. I best, hope we trade. best trade to ever be traded. I just, I want news to break while we're recording for the clip, for the reaction. Now, every time what I've listened to a, a Red Sox podcast and something happens, it's, nothing. You know, it's, it's electric. I love it. But so no, get- but hey, uh, don't stop listening to our podcast, though. We'll still continue to give you stuff. Oh, yeah, we're still going well, to. Yeah, sure. No. But I just want a crazy yeah. reaction. Rev it up. There's a good shot Tuesday that some news breaks, winter meetings, and right in the thick of it. Why don't we do a 12-hour long episode to increase the chances of something happening while we're What? Ooh. If we just did a live stream? <laughs> Yeah, let's it's do just it. Like, want to just keep a live stream going like for the entire week? <laughs> yeah, I like Pat's idea. Just be dead silent, but just be staring at Twitter and everyone buzzes. Like, You're like, holy shit, uh, my mom texted me. What do we do for like sleeping schedules? Do we just rotate who's awake? Yeah, yeah. you take turns. Okay. It's like that, uh, that Liam Neeson movie, The Grey, where the wolves are hunting them and they take turns. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. I didn't think anyone else had ever seen that before. Yeah, that movie's like once more into the gray, into the fray. Spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, it's just a poem. Means nothing, but it's badass. I got terrified of climbing trees when I watched that because of when the guy falls out of the tree and gets taken by the wolves. Oh, that was a brutal way to. That's a brutal movie death. Fall really hard and then get dragged by. But he thought, but like it was kind of a nice final thought because he thought his daughter was like with him. He was, I mean, he was conked, but... Oh, before spoiler. he was violently massacred? Yeah, I remember that. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah, might be a nice way to go. Uh, so yeah. Shout out Liam Neeson. Um, yeah. Any other enough sads? What are you boys up to? What have you been doing? Gordo, you want to go? Or I can go. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll go. I, I actually have two enough sads today. First, uh, quickly, I read uh, stats. Red Sox stats had a suggestion, or maybe it was more of a prediction, but it was like a prediction that he'd be cool with for like, the Red Sox offseason, he said it was going to be Imanaga, Paxton, and like maybe a surprise trade. And I just wanted to say, oh my God, I please hope it's not that. And I oh, please, for the love of God, let it be something more interesting than that. Please, 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 please. I cannot have Imanaga and Paxton be the two big starting pitcher acquisitions that they make this offseason. I hope it's not that. Uh, just want to put that out there. And yeah. second, I ate lunch today at a a restaurant in the middle of of the uh of the hotel which is i think called like the Gaylord Oppomer or something i don't know this place is ginormous it's a palace i don't know Gaylord's it, it's the Gaylord something it's the Gaylord the Gaylord's Oppenheimer yeah but restaurant in the middle of this place wide wide in the open you like see there's like a bridge that like everyone just like hangs out on and everyone passes each other and like you can see people like making connections on this bridge like oh i haven't seen you in a while whatever but Guess, guess who sat down to eat lunch no further than 20 feet away from me today? Breslau. Ime Adoka. Felix DeBron. No, no, and no. Pecorino. Scott Boris. Oh, Scott oh. Boris. No, but he was he was glowing. And everyone... He yeah, because he's pasty every- white. He looks like a vampire. He's a billionaire. Dude, no, I'd be glowing, he too. He did it today. He looked great today. He he was shorter than I than I expected. Uh, but he was There's glowing. There's no way... He, he was Sorry, having wait, lunch wait, with wait. a guy. There's no way Scott Boris is a billionaire. He's no, he owns Boris Corp. Corp. He's a millionaire. He's, he's probably, not a billionaire, but he's a millionaire. Yeah, there's no way he's got to be. 
Yeah, dude, he can't yeah, be a he's billionaire. A me- he's a mega millionaire. Nerd, become a billionaire, you bum. Get those ends up, Boris. Four hundred and fifty million. Yeah, yeah. Sh- shoot him, shoot him. Was he wearing? Uh, millionaires yeah. care about that. Was he? Was he, he was wearing, wearing like a like a puppet? It was no. He was wearing like <laughs> no. He was. He wasn't. He was. I'm surprised. Heyman was not uh, down sitting down to lunch with him. The guys I was going to say that. They recognized that one of the guys he was having lunch with was with the Kansas City Royals. So take Are that for however you want it. Bobby Witt Jr. is on the block. Is that what you're saying? It was probably I just heard that. You I probably didn't that. see John. You probably didn't see John Hamer with him because he probably it was probably no pets allowed. He probably tied the leash up outside. Okay. Well, John's, John's a co-worker. John, uh, no, John Heyman was... Yeah, yeah, no, yeah we're getting rid of that. I always forget that John Heyman's MLB. a co-worker. I actually I don't know if he's still an MLB Odyssey insider, so I, we'll put a pin in that one, but for the time Yeah, being, put a pin in it. We'll do our background. Yeah. We have to that one. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, weird weird having lunch that close to Scott Boris. I almost I like, didn't even know it was him for a while because like, he just like was way too glowing but the the guys i was with are like yeah no that's 100 percent him i was like i mean yeah it definitely looks just like him he just like pinky way ring too guy. i don't know what that means like does he have a pinky ring that's pretty straightforward oh i have no idea <laughs> he seems <laughs> like a pinky ring up to guy. Him and you were like dude you're worth 450 million dollars that's a lot of money can i get some uh, how- what do you think he would say to that i you just stay, hand you like a couple grand and be like, "Have fun, kid." No, let's not be all right. Let's not be ridiculous. He'd probably take out a couple fifties and give it to you. <laughs> hey, man, you're right. I take either of those. Can I get some he, of that? Money? I gotta start throw. doing this more. Just panhandling, <laughs> like for like billionaires. I'm not gonna go out on like the side of the road. I'm just gonna seek out billionaires. Of like, course, hey, man, like, like, yo, man, you don't need four. I doubt he carries cash. You, you, you're not that rich, and you're carrying your own cash. People are carrying cash for you. You get a the restaurant did not the the restaurant that we were eating at did not take cash, so it wouldn't have done him any good there. Ah, so okay. I think if you went, but he didn't have any Scott, cash. If you went up to Scott Boris and asked for money, I think he would throw a quarter directly through your skull. <laughs> I think he is that's the most that's kind of like short fuse. Yeah, he looks like a uh, a Boston dad to me. No, no, he looks like a Long Island dad. Yeah, okay. he's like he's southern saying, South. He's Jersey. taking his kids to lacrosse practice and like bitching them out in the back of the car not because me. they didn't score in, like as much goal. How different? I'm spending all this money on Coach Botto. You gotta get out there and score more points. And then the kids are like, "Give me a couple thousand dollars. You got so many of those dollars." And he exactly. Goes, okay. Cool. So so Gordo, uh, next time we catch up with Rob, you'll be like, "I panhandled." Scott Boris and made fifty grand, and then got a hole in my skull. But yes, and then worth it. Rushed to the hospital. Yeah. I think you could take Scott Boris, dude. He's just not. You'd Gordo. be swole. Speaking Gordo, of swole, you... Pat, you got enough said. I do have enough <laughs> said. I do have enough said. All right, we as a fan, collective fan base just need to tamper the expectations. I think there are people who are so pessimistic that they think we're going to bring back like Rich Hill. But then I think there are people who are so optimistic that they think we're going to get like Bellinger and Otani. Kind of a bad idea. Craig Breslow is not Heim. Like the worst case scenario is not the equivalent of worst case scenario with Heim. I think the worst case scenario is he gets like two number three starters and a number five starter and he still fills the holes. 
It's like he's not going to do nothing. That was my biggest gripe with Heim was like the inactivity with clear holes. <laughs> like he would address, like verbally say, we're looking for this. We know this is an area we want to improve, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Nothing. If they thought that's how it was going to go with Craig Breslow, they would not have fired Heim or hired Craig. We Things don't. will get done. The team will be better than last year. Just both ends of the spectrum need to like meet in the middle. I agree. I agree. Those people, the, uh, the I need a Yamamoto Montgomery and then maybe take a flyer on Giolito, buddy. You're going to be so disappointed. But also, like you said, Pat, the like, this is another Heim Bloom. Pump the brakes. So, yeah, man. God, I'm nervous. You guys nervous? I think it's just like, wait and see. So like, nervous. if you I sit there and overthink point. it, like you're going to come up with the worst offseason imaginable. Oh, and yeah. And you're going to be... Imina- I, it, by the way, Imanaga, really quick, left-hander, not a high-velocity guy, a lot of fly balls. I feel like that's just not a good profile for Fenway. Not and Fenway. Look, dude, Red Sox stats, I trust that guy. If he has some nugget, says it's a good fit, fine. But from what I've seen, I just... Ugh, it's Ground ball yeah, pitchers. It's what I talked about on the last episode with Hulk becoming Strong. one. Drawn ball pitchers and Tommy Edmund. That's the key. Um, But with that, this has been Play Tessie. This has been the 10th episode. We thank you for joining us along. If you haven't subscribed yet, why? What are you doing? It takes like five seconds. Watch. By the time I'm done explaining what podcasts or what platforms we are on for you to listen to this podcast, you should have already subscribed. For instance, we're on the Odyssey uh, pod at Odyssey app. I don't know why I'm having like such terrible time enunciating today. We are on the Odyssey app. We are on the Spotify app. We are on the Apple app. For those weirdos out there, we are on the Google app. And right now, you should have already subscribed because you are on one of those apps and listening to us already. It is that easy. We want we Gordo. Do you like do you like having our chit chats with the the audience? I love the engagement. They're good people. They're great people. I like. There's some out there that they need to be a little bit better. They need to subscribe. We still love you. That's how we are. That's how we react. We like talking to you. You're one of our best friends. So like, scratch our back because we've been scratching your back a little bit. You yeah. Know? If you're listening to this, you are my only friend. If you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed, please just yeah subscribe. It's it's very easy. You you listen to the show all the time. Just just subscribe. Just be subscribe. Help the fellas out. Help be the fellas friend. out. Be our friend. Be our friend, please. Please be our friend. We need them. We, we need them oh so much. And with You're that, so- this has been Play Tessie. Thank you for watching. And total.